Thank you for listening in to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. Our current sermon series is from the book of 1 Corinthians. For more information, visit our website at cumberlandcornerstone.org. We saw the first half last week of a very familiar passage of Scripture. One of the things that I find really interesting with it is that it's, it's chapter 13, surprisingly, comes right between chapter 12 and chapter 14. Right? Now that's a pretty amazing, uh, I mean, that's what you pay me for. But what's amazing is we see this chapter as the chapter of what? Love. And yet the chapters 12, 13, and 14 are really talking about what? Spiritual gifts. And how to properly use the gifts. And how they were misusing actually the gifts there within the church of Corinth. And so here we see this chapter that we're so familiar with. And it does deal with love. But we have to keep it in the context of what Paul is trying to get across to the people. And so let's read these familiar verses beginning in verse 8. And make our way down to the end of the chapter as we think this morning about the superiority of love. It says, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. You know, again, as we come to this part of the passage this morning, we need to keep in mind that which we have already learned in this section. This passage has been a central passage on a, a discussion of spiritual gifts. This whole idea of spiritualities, as Paul says, the spirituals, if you will. And there is always... When we study scripture, there is always a danger in trying to take a passage and make it seem or make it say what we want it to say. And uh, that's a danger for all of us. And uh, sometimes when you come to a passage uh, that is very difficult, sometimes you just have to uh, try to let the Lord lead you as to understanding what the passage is saying and what God is trying to say, not what I want to make it say. All right, and, and as I've been studying this over the last few weeks and, and preparing for this message, I've had to allow that to happen in my own life as well. Uh, you know, there are some times where you have a preconceived notion about what a passage means and you kind of got to dig into it to really see whether is that the case or is that not the case. There's a number of things here that are kind of difficult to understand. And, uh, and some maybe were, might be new to us and maybe some of it will just reaffirm what we've understood all along. But whenever we study scripture, one of the things I try to tell you is we need to keep the context in mind. We need to understand scripture from its context. We need to look at what is the overall meaning of the passage. What is it that Paul is actually trying to say to us? What is he trying to convey to us here? In chapter 12, 
Paul was trying to help the Corinthians to understand spiritual things. He wanted them to understand the realm of the spiritual. And, and they were struggling in that area. Because they needed to better understand how the Holy Spirit was working in their lives. Uh, and Paul wanted them to understand better how the Holy Spirit was using even spiritual gifts in their lives. And uh, then at the end of chapter 12, Paul goes on to actually correct their evaluation of spiritual gifts. He said, you are evaluating tongues as the most important gift. Look at the priority of God. God seems to say, no, apostle, prophet, you know, those kind of things are, are more important. Well, you know, the, 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 the reason for that, as we've been studying, is the Corinthians were uh, exalting, if you will, in the ecstatic gifts, such as tongues. And uh, Paul was trying to help them to understand that other gifts... Other spiritual gifts were of even greater importance. And because of that, Paul said, I wish that you would emphasize them as much as you want these gifts. Which, And remember, why did they like the ecstatic gifts? Because they thought it brought them near to God? Not really, because it made them look good. You know, and everybody looked at them and said, wow, look what they can do. Now, as we come to chapter 13... Paul wants to suggest to us that there's even a better way. There's even something else that needs to be given a greater place of emphasis than in really the spiritual gifts. And so we began to look at that last week. And the first thing we saw is that spirituality does not rest in the exercise of my spiritual gift. Spirituality really is going to be seen in the development of my godly character. And it's seen specifically, Paul says in chapter 13, in the manifestation of what? Love. In the manifestation of love. You see, the Corinthians were saying, and remember their pagan background caused them to say this, if I have these ecstatic gifts, if I am doing this, if I am able to do that, I must be closer to God. You know, the more ecstatic the experience in that pagan culture, in their pagan religion, the more ecstatic the experience, the more they thought they were nearer to their God. And Paul is trying to get them to see, no, just the use of your spiritual gift does not mean that. God wants to develop, manifest godly love. God wants to build godly character in your life. Now, are the gifts important? Absolutely, they're important. They are given to us by God. All of the gifts Lesser and greater are nothing, however, Paul says, without love. And uh, what we saw last week is that love demonstrates Christ-likeness in our character. And love can best be seen in my relationships with other people. Remember even what John says in 1 John, it's easy to say I, I love God because nobody can really see how much I love God, right? I mean, we can kind of look at it. But remember John said, you can't love God without loving who? Well, the, other, the, the, the people that are, are mine, my people. It's easy to say I love God whom I can't see. It's a lot harder to say I love, you know, Bill. I was going to point somebody out and I decided not to. You know, uh, Bob, Joe, whoever, you know. And, and that is what demonstrates God-likeness when we love other people. Spiritual gifts, on the other hand, are limited in their purpose and in their function. 
And that's what we need to consider this morning as we look at verses 8 through 13. And Paul is going to emphasize the superiority of love as the manifestation of our godly character. So let's get into it this morning. And the first thing I want you to do is consider that which is permanent. Now, the Corinthians were emphasizing gifts, uh, and while they were emphasizing gifts, spiritual gifts, they were at the same time unconcerned about loving one another. Remember, they were suing one another. They weren't waiting for one another when they were eating at the love feast, and, and they were involved in all kinds of different things that were demonstrating they really didn't love one another. But love is what defines what God truly is. And it's love that is the evidence of the development of godliness in my life. And so the first thing we need to see here this morning is verse 8. Love never, what? Fails. Love is permanent. Love is permanent. Love is an attribute of God. Love is an essential part of the character of God. At the very essence of his being, God is what? Love. For God so loved the world. Since God in Christ is working in us to conform us to his likeness, what then is going to be an essential part of my character? Love. If God in the essence of his being is love, and, in, and if he is trying to conform me to the image of his son, if he's trying to make me more like himself, then it is obvious that love must be an essential part of my character. And God is concerned with what we are becoming. As God looks at you and I in our daily walk, as God looks at you and I in our life, he is concerned with how are you doing? How are you growing? What's going on inside of you? Because godly character is something that will always be there. It is eternal. Love is an eternal characteristic. And Paul says love never fails. It's going to be there for all eternity. Look at the second thing then. The second thing is spiritual gifts are temporary. He says love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they're going to fail. Whether there are tongues, they're going to cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Paul makes it clear here that while love never fails, it is permanent. The gifts, and he specifically mentions here prophecy and tongues and knowledge. He says these are temporary. They are passing away. And if you notice there in verse 8, it says that prophecy and knowledge are going to be abolished. Prophecy is going to fail. Knowledge is going to vanish away. And the thought there in the Greek uh, for both of those uh, gifts is the idea of inactivity, if you will. They are going to be rendered of no effect. Someone or something is going to cause them to stop, right? And so uh, he says those gifts are going to just stop because of, the, of something or someone. Prophecy and knowledge will be abolished at some point in time. Tongues, he says there in verse 8, will do what? It will cease. Now the implication in the Greek of that is that tongues will 
stop, they will come to an end, but it's a little bit different. With knowledge and prophecy, there's someone or something that's going to stop them. The idea here with tongues is that there is a built-in stopping point for tongues. God has given the gift of tongues, Paul says, this built-in stopping point. And he literally seems to be saying that the gift of tongues will stop by itself. And I, let me try to give you the idea. It's, I think it's much like a battery. Right, where there is so much life in a battery that when its supply of energy is used up, it is done. There is a limited lifespan. Let me give you a good example of that. This blind is run by a battery. When we push the button, the battery said, I'm done. You know, I'm not working anymore. Your phone... Some of you about have a heart attack when you get low battery, you know? because batteries have a certain amount of lifespan, and when the lifespan is over, what happens? It stops working. Whether it's a toy, whether it's a blind, whether it's a phone, whether it's a car, whatever it is, there is a limited lifespan. And that's the idea in the Greek with, with the gift of tongues. Paul seems to be implying here that the gift of tongues, God built in a stopping point and that it will just stop on its own. Prophecy and knowledge will be stopped by something outside of themselves. And it seems to be, as we go on in, in to, to verse 10, it seems to be uh, when that which is perfect is come. And we'll get into that here in a minute. But tongues seems to stop by itself. And the grammar here in this sentence seems to indicate that tongues cease in and of themselves. They simply stop. They have fulfilled the purpose for which God gave them. And now it ceases. And so Paul, what he's saying here in verse 8 is this. Corinthians cornerstonians we need to consider those things that are permanent we need to to understand that this is permanent and this is temporary and if this is permanent and this is temporary where should our emphasis be on the permanent or the temporary on the permanent we need to emphasize that which is going to last for all eternity Paul says, love never, what? Never fails. Never fails. And so we need to put our emphasis there. We need to emphasize those things which are permanent, not those things which are temporary. And, and the truth of the matter, there, there's three mentioned here. The truth of the matter is spiritual gifts will ultimately cease. All spiritual gifts will ultimately cease. And so if your spirituality is measured only by the exercising of your gifts, then when the gifts cease, what do we have left? Nothing. But love is permanent. Love is lasting. Love never fails. And so Paul says spiritual gifts are important, absolutely. But you need to emphasize love. You need to be growing love in your life because that 
is what is permanent. Look at the second thing here then this morning. He says, let's clarify our perspective in verses 9 through 12. So having made the point and having laid down the principle, Paul now wants them to see it clearly so that their perspective might have a better focus. Uh, In verse 9, he points out that gifts are, once again, partial, temporary. We know in part and we prophesy in part. And if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, you see that gifts are partial. They, They are only a means by which God is trying to accomplish his purpose. The, the gift of prophecy and the gift of knowledge are means by which God is trying to make himself known to who? To us. He, he wants us to know him. And, and if I am going to know God, how can I know God? If he, only if he reveals himself to me. All right? And so the, the gifts of prophecy and knowledge, God was revealing him, himself to us. God is giving us a better understanding of himself. It's only a partial thing, though, Paul says. And then he says in verse, 13, uh, verse 10, But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When God has completed the task of making himself known, then the gifts will no longer be needed. Now, I got to tell you, this verse has created a lot of questions in the minds of a lot of scholars over the years. Uh, This is a difficult verse to totally understand. The phrase, that when that which is perfect has come, has been made to refer to a lot of different things depending on what we might believe, depending on what we might be trying to prove. Uh, Some believe that it is referring to the completion of Scripture. Some believe that it refers to the rapture or to the second coming of Christ. And, and, you know, uh, all of those things are good things. And and yet in the context, as as I study this context, and as I studied this context over the last couple weeks, it seems to be referring simply referring to the completeness of God's revelation of himself in us. And let me ask you, when will that occur? When we see him face to face. So spiritual gifts are only for a time. They're temporary. They're not going to last for eternity, but love lasts for all eternity. Verse 12 seems to take that to the fullest extent. It says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. When full knowledge is come, when I have full knowledge, what more do I need of the gifts by which God is revealing himself to me? When I am seeing God face to face, I no longer need the gifts which help to reveal himself to me. You see, what is really important? The end or the means? You know, we always say, well, the end justifies the means, right? No, the, the end is the most important thing. And, and uh, love is an essential part of the end to which God is working to bring us. When we come to completion, 
When we come to fullness, when we see God face to face, God's love will be made perfect in us. And then the gifts, uh, the, the gifts are intended to bring us to that desired end. They help to move us to that desired end. But when, when we see God face to face, that is the desired end. We will be like Christ. Look at verse 11. In verse 11, Paul gives us an illustration. And he talks to us about a transition from childhood to maturity. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And here's his illustration. And I think the purpose of this illustration is to show how things do cease to be operational once we have arrived at the next stage in life. The, the, the things of childhood are put away when one reaches adulthood. All right, uh, They are not wrong in their place of development. In fact, they are necessary to that development. But when they have fulfilled their purpose, Paul says they're put away. Now, let me use an illustration to, to get all of you with me because some of you look like you're about dead out there. Um, when I'm a child and I'm a little, little tyke, all right, I, I'm going to learn how to ride a bicycle. All right? And what does my mom and dad do to that bicycle? They put training wheels on that bicycle, right? And I'm tooling around. If I'm 16 years old and still using training wheels, might not be a good deal, right? Uh, but, but they were necessary to help me learn how to ride a bike. As I get older and my body is able to function. Uh, however, let me tell you a little bit of story. When my grandmother moved to Florida, and uh, when, uh, I guess it was in the early 70s, and so I was a teenager, and we would go down to visit her. And whenever we would go down to visit her, she had a three-wheeled bike. Now, it really wasn't training wheels, but it was like training wheels, right? And I loved to get on that bike. And I would ride, she lived in a trailer park, I'd ride all around that, that trailer park and not, this is no lie. You'd hear this from the front porch. Slow down, Sonny. You're going too fast. You know, and, but the, the, the three-wheel bike was great because you could go and, I mean, it was wonderful. And then my grandma would get on it and it was, that was scary. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, once you become uh, much more mature, some of those things of childhood get put away. You know, our toys get put away and we just go on to what? Better and bigger and better toys. But, you know, uh, we, we move from one phase of life to the next. And what we needed in that phase, we don't necessarily need in the next phase. And so Paul is giving us that idea here is that the things of childhood are now put away because I've reached adulthood. And the same, his point is this, the same is true when it comes to spiritual gifts. They are the means by which, by which God has chosen to bring the body of Christ, you and me, to full maturity in Christ, to the full knowledge of himself, to the development of godly character, such as faith, hope, and love. 
And when these gifts fulfill their purpose, and when these gifts fulfill their function, they are then what? Put away. They are no longer necessary. And the, the precise termination for the gifts, you know, when that uh, will occur, might not be essential to Paul's discussion here. The point is simple. Love is emphasized because love is an essential part of the end to which God is working to bring us. The gifts are temporary. When are they going to stop? When does this stop? And we, we all want to, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. Paul says, that's really not as important as God building love into your life. And whereby the gifts are only the means by which God is accomplishing his end, love is the more important thing. Well, when do they cease? When will spiritual gifts cease? To answer your question that might be in your mind, when do the different gifts end? Perhaps it would be better and more in line with this passage that we not force some end point to the passage, uh, such as the close of the canon of Scripture, although that has always been my understanding. And, uh, you know, as I stand here before you, I believe that is the case. But in the context, as we just try to keep it in the context, it may be better to, in this particular context, to simply see that the end point is really built in to the purpose and the function of spiritual gifts, much like those different things of childhood. The apostles, the gift of apostle. The purpose of that gift was the, uh, to authoritatively formulate uh, the church, to formulate New Testament doctrine, to establish the, the New Testament church. It was part of the foundation. So once the foundation is laid, that gift, ha what? It stops prophets the purpose of that gift was to simply communicate new testament truth now i have new testament new testament truth miracles and healings the purpose of those sign gifts was to confirm and authenticate the message well again i now have the message Tongues and the interpretation of tongues. The purpose of those special sign gifts was for the unbelieving nation of Israel. We were looking that Wednesday night in our Bible study. Those gifts had specific fulfillment in prophecy. So as forms, they were used to pour the foundation of a building. The gifts then had that end point as to the use of the very purpose and the function for which they gave him. And so what I would say, when, when will spiritual gifts cease? Well, let me just wrap it up in this way. All of the gifts will ultimately cease when you and I come to completion in Christ. When we become like Christ. Gifts are important. They're necessary. But at the best, they are partial, Paul says. They are incomplete. They are like looking in a mirror dimly. Uh, look at verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Uh, seeing in a mirror dimly implies that the image that we are seeing back is an imperfect image. You know, when I look in the mirror in the morning, I see a perfect image. <laughs> no, actually, when you look in the mirror in the morning, you see that, wow, man, there's a lot of work that needs to be done before I leave this house, right? Uh, 
You know, we, we look, but one day, Paul says, it will be completion. One day it will be face to face. When's that day? Our, our day, one day our knowledge of God will be complete. We will know as we are known, verse 12. Now I, I just know in part as best I can. Then I shall know just as I also am known. At that time, the gift of knowledge will no longer be needed. Why? I'm in the presence of the Lord. I see him face to face. At that time, all of the gifts will have served their purpose. So if you clarify your perspective, Paul said, you will see. When viewed from completion, maturity, full knowledge, then the gifts are laid aside. Let's wrap this up this morning in verse 13. Because there Paul brings us back full circle to say, we need to concentrate on those things that are permanent. He says, and now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. He says to us, that which is permanent, that which abides, verse 13, is godly character. You see, the, the virtues of faith, hope, and love uh, are those three characteristics that are seen throughout the New Testament as virtues of godliness. They, they are virtues that indicate godly character in my life. Faith, hope, and love. And what does he say at the end of the verse? Which of those is the greatest? Love. Why? Because love is an essential part of the nature of God. Faith and hope are actually linked to love. Faith and hope spring out of love. Uh, go back to verse 7 for just a minute. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. There's faith and hope. And it springs out of love. Think of this. What is the first and greatest commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's the greatest commandment. That's the greatest one. Love must be an essential part of our life. Those who love God in the manner in which he wants us to love him certainly exercise faith as they trust him. I don't know how this is going to work out, but you know what? This is what God says in his word and I just need to do it. I don't know why God said this. I don't know why. I don't totally understand what's going on. But you know what? I'm going to take God at his word. And I'm going to say, I believe you, Lord. And I'm going to obey. It's faith. This is what God says. And I'm going to do it. Hope. You know, this is what the end's going to be. You know, we trust in his word. We rely on his word. And we rest our hope in his promise. It all comes out of love. What did Christ say? If you love me, you will do what? Do what I say. You obey me. Even when I don't maybe understand. I trust him and I take him in his word. 
And I put my faith and hope in him. And spiritual gifts are for effective ministry. They are to build up godly character in one another. Yes, they are very important. And in the first verse of chapter 14, let's just peek ahead to next week. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So they are important, but especially that you may prophesy. Concentrate on those things that are of real value, Paul says. Godly character. And, and, and what am I to pursue more than anything, verse 1? Love. Pursue love. You and I... Let's wrap this all up this morning. You and I need to give priority in our life to godly character and especially love. We need to then give priority to those gifts that build up that character. Not that build me up, not to make me look good, not so people pat me on the back. No, so that we can build one another up in love. Paul says, don't be childish. Don't hold on to those things that were meant just to accomplish a purpose. Don't hold on to those things that are of no eternal value. Don't hold on to those things that you think are important, but God doesn't, doesn't seem to see the th- same way. And instead, build love into your life. Build godly character into your life. Allow God to build faith, hope, and love. Get into his word, read what it says, believe what it says, and put it into action. That's faith, hope, and it's done because of love. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this passage of scripture this morning, as we think about love, as we think about that great characteristic of love, as we think about your love for us and the fact that love is an essential part of your nature and you want to build that into us, you are conforming us to the image of your son. Lord, there's so many times in our life where we get caught up in the temporary. And we have to be honest, it's not even the the temporary things such as spiritual gifts, it's the temporary things of this world. And so much of our focus in life is on those things that have no eternal value at all. And your desire is to build love into our lives. Your desire is to build godly character into our lives. Your desire is that we as your children read your word and study your word and understand your word and put it into practice in our life. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love me and you keep my commandments. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who love your word. That we would be a people who obey your word. And that we would be a people that allow the Holy Spirit to build godly character in our lives. May we love one another as you love us. Lord, I pray for those here this morning who need to do that. And I certainly pray for those here this morning who might not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've never experienced the true love of God in their life. 
Lord, maybe they're here for some religious experience or because they think this is the right thing to do, but they never accepted Jesus Christ. May today they realize that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. May they put their faith and trust in Christ who loved them so much that he died for their sins on the cross. Lord, build these characteristics into our life, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on our church, located in Cumberland, Maryland, please go to cumberlandcornerstone.org.